Suicide Zen Forgiveness, the pod that shares the stories of those affected by suicide. Lost a loved one? Attempted it yourself? Did you know that when you share a burden, the load is lightened? Come listen in with your host, Elaine Lindsay. Suicide Zen Forgiveness, the podcast, is for education only. Some of the subject matter could be triggering for those that are newly grieving or in a poor state of mental health. Please call your local suicide hotline or mental health office if you need immediate help. Hi there. I'm so happy to be back with you. Um, As it says, I'm Elaine, and I'm really excited today to present someone um, that, in all honesty, I just met. So this will be very interesting for all of us. His name is Brian Sacheta, and he's the author of the Get Out of Your Head book series, which we will definitely talk about. It's a collection of personal development works focused on inspiring readers overcome various forms of mental illness. Now, I know that um, he offers written advice and coaching to clients looking to make strides in their battles with mental illness. And his uh, desire to help others came out of, uh, I guess, his own issues with anxiety and depression. And that's exactly what we're going to talk about today. So without further ado, Brian, thank you so much. Hey, Elaine. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's wonderful to have you here today. Uh, Anxiety and depression. In fact, anxiety was one of the first um full episodes we did back in January of 2021 and it's uh well I think it goes without saying that there's a lot more anxiety and depression around us now after going through what we've all gone through it's uh I think it's it's the very first time the entire world has suffered together in time, like as things occur, because prior to the internet, yes, we went through the Spanish flu and and it did kill millions of people, but there was not the same um, happening in time that we're getting now because we are so globally connected. You find that that, sort of ramps up the amount of anxiety and depression that you're seeing? Yeah, I I do think so. You know, it's, I I didn't live, uh, you know, in 1918 or during the Spanish flu. Me neither, funny enough. (laughs) So so I I can't say for sure. All all I can know is that you look around, right? You see the fact that these scary headlines and stories are all over the place. We have the news on in the background or, or, or watching it, especially during the early days of COVID where we were locked in our houses and there was nothing else to do, right? Um, You see those headlines, you hear people talking about these issues and, you know, it's, it's not always them. It's not always them trying to like fear monger or something, but a lot of the time it is. I mean, in the middle of a global pandemic, it's like there is reason to talk about scary things, right? Because you need to protect yourself. But Mm -hmm. I also think we can overdo it for sure. And when we see those headlines, when we hear those stories again and again and again, everywhere we turn every day, I mean, what, what does that do to us, right? It, it activates our acute stress response, puts us on high alert. We're anxious all the time. And then eventually we're, you know, we're in such 
high st uh, st stress states for such a long periods that all of a sudden, like sometimes we fall back into states of learned helplessness, AKA depression. Yeah. And it's, it's in a way it's, you know, our, our um, reptilian brain is not advanced. It, it still got us back there with the saber tooth tigers and what have you. And, and what's happened with the pandemic is we're surrounded by saber-toothed tigers 24-7. And, and that's what all of this, the amount of, of cortisol and other things that are streaming through our body, it's, it's truly amazing that anybody is getting anything done because it's an internal assault on each of us. Yeah, it's, it certainly is. You know, we, we, we need to step back and give ourselves credit. I was on a podcast recently and uh, the host who's just like a super high energy guy, great guy. He was saying like, you guys all just live through like a doomsday scenario. You know, like we are here. We're still here. Like that if if we're learning about these strategies for, you know, managing stress and all that, it's like use them now and also give yourself credit because one way or another you got through that scenario. And that was hard. Like we had no idea what was happening in the early phases of that. We were locked in our houses and um, yeah, it was like, you, depending on who you listen to, who you heard from, it, there was a lot of times where it was like, I'm going to open the front door and, and die, you know? And so yeah. it's like, yeah, it was, a, it was scary times and uh, it is good to hopefully <laughs> have gotten through those things. But yeah, a lot of people experienced a lot of stress. Well, yeah, and it's it's sort of timely. This morning, I was talking to someone while walking the dog. Um, they were walking their dogs. And she said to me that she got herself in a super state of anxiety because someone else in the neighborhood had related the story that they lost their dog. They had gone to a family member's home. The dog didn't know the area well and darted out on the street. The dog was hit by a car. That's something that we've heard. It's it's heartbreaking. And, you know, people who are animal people, we, we all hurt for those people. But for this person to get so anxious that she's now concerned about even leaving the house with her own dogs. Uh, she had said to me, you know, well, what if I was thinking, what if they slip their leads or if the harness comes off and she said, oh my God, I don't think this way, but I've got myself in such a state. And I think that's completely attributable to what we've all lived through because all we had to focus on was, you know, the constant ticker of how many people we were losing and how many new cases and, 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 and it was like you say, doomsday scenario. So in light of that, okay, let's, let's go way back. Why don't you share with us your trials with anxiety and depression and let's take it from there. For sure. So I, I would like to think, or, you know, it's, it's hard to, without a proper diagnosis, like I, did, I didn't go to the psychiatrist when I was five, right? Uh, I went a little bit later in life, but uh I always had like nervous tendencies around social situations and stuff like that uh, really started to rear its ugly head in late high school, early college, as I started dating. Um, and so it was like, you know, just again, social situations, intimate situations where 
I wasn't comfortable. I was, I was nervous. I was anxious. Um, I actually, you know, went off to college, met a girl that I sort of was developing some feelings for. Um, and she came over one night and I had a panic attack in front of her and she had been drinking and, um, you know, kind of wasn't in the right state of mind to process it well. And, you know, jumped up off the couch and started screaming at me and yelling at me and calling me all these names and whatever. And it was like that, you know, as an 18 year old kid, that sucked. That was very painful to go through. And that was, I talked, you know, I, I say a lot that that was sort of the entry point into my journey where it's like, I had dealt with nervousness before, you know, track meets and math tests and stuff like that. But this was the one like really significant emotional experience where it was like, I now know I really need to do something about this. And sure, I had, you know, more experiences that were more muted than that, but similar where it's like just anxious all the time and whatnot. Um, but that really got me started of being like, I, this is something that I'm going to have to deal with. And then on the depression side, like I, you know, I went through a depressive episode uh, when I was a senior in college. Uh, you know, there was a lot of different factors at play there, but um, it was something that I hadn't experienced too much before. And it was, it was hard, right? It's like, if you don't know what you're dealing with and yeah. you feel terrible all the time, and you know, maybe you don't even want to be here anymore. Um, it's, it's a tough, tough place to be. Right. Um, and then I guess, you know, all the while it's like anxiety is sort of the, the more for me has been the more constant script. Um, but you know, as I, as I progressed and learned some things, I finally, you know, I started my brand. I wrote my first book of, uh, talking about some tactics that I had used to, uh, deal with my anxiety that I legitimately thought were helpful. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't have written that book if I didn't think that they were beneficial for folks. Cause I, I wanted to help them. Right. And then, so that was, you know, I published that book in 2018. And then actually later that year, uh, I fell into a depressed, uh, you know, sort of like second major depressive episode or, or large depressive episode of my life. Um, and I, I just didn't see it coming. I, it was really caught me off guard. I didn't have the tools for dealing with it and processing it and that sort of thing. So that really became a moment for me to say to myself, like, you know, I've already sort of started this mental health brand and helping folks. I need to take the same inquisitive perspective uh, and use it on myself and be like, how am I going to get myself out of the situation that either I've been thrust into or I've created for myself? Um, and that eventually, you know, helped me write the second book uh, in my book series. But that was, you know, it was difficult and uh, took a lot of introspection, conversations, reading different materials and whatnot. But that's that's the high level uh, synopsis of the journey. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And. Well, for, for one, thank you very much for writing the books. I, I think that's critically important. And it's, the need is ever greater for these, these tips and the tweaks that we can use on a day-to-day -day basis just to get us through sometimes that very next moment. You know, a, a lot of people think, oh, well, you know, this is going to go on forever. Yeah, sometimes looking at the whole like that can make it a lot worse. If you try to just take things moment by moment, it can, I guess that old adage, how to eat an elephant one bite at a time. Yep. Well, it's the same thing for how to get out of a great big hole. Well, you, you, you try to step gently up a little every single time. And that's what the, the tips and the tweaks are for. They're those little tools, those rocks that are going to help you get out of where you are, but they are little. And, and sure. 
we have to be okay and learn to be okay partway there. So for you, what do you, what do you counsel or, or what do you offer to people who are all or nothing, you know, impatient to, to get better or basically, well, it's not all good. So to hell with it. Like why bother? Yeah. That's a good question. I mean, that can be a challenging situation for the person and myself to be in, right? The best thing that I can really do is just come with a patient and guarded approach of being like saying, like, I know that I may talk to that person and say, look, like, I understand where you're coming from. This is may, may feel overwhelming. It is painful to deal with. Um, but we're going to improve one step at a time. Right. And they may react and say, no, 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 no. Like th- that's, you know, not the right way of looking at it. I- I'm stuck in this hole, whatever it is. And I think it's, you know, my job as uh, a coach to just be there for that person and not, and not react to that reaction to just say, again, I understand where you're coming from. Like ask more questions, ask you know, prod a little bit more and just stay there with them. Because if I react uh, in a negative fashion, I'm going to put that person on their heels. And that's the last place that they want to be. Very, very good point. Uh, That's so important to understand that sometimes when you think somebody should be pushed to go forward, that isn't necessarily the case from their perspective. And I think we, we have to we have to become hyper aware of those around us because as much as we say that we take other people's perspectives into account, uh, it tends to be very surface level. Yep, I think you're right. And I, sometimes, you know, I was, I was just on a different podcast talking about this. It's like, Sometimes we we listen almost as if just to say the next thing that we're already processing and being like, oh, when this person stops talking, I'll say this. Um, and, you know, as a coach or or even just a loved one that, you know, somebody who is there for somebody else, it's like, I think we would all do ourselves a good service if we just legitimately listened, right? And we we're like, I got no agenda here. I'm not trying to say anything specific. I'll let this person, you know, I'm, I'm hearing what they are saying and then I'm going to take a breath. And if they, you know, if they're looking at me for a response, then I will provide one. But it's not me processing while they're talking and being like, oh, I'm going to jump in and say this, right? Because that sort of, it's, it's again, it's a, it's a different form of not listening to them. And then that person is not, maybe might not feel heard. And then we're kind of back in the problem that we were originally in. That is such a good point. And that's, that's exactly where I wanted you to go with that, because it's, we are also conditioned to want to fix things. I know for, for a long time, they said it was just men wanted to fix things and, and women want to nurture, but that's not true. Okay. There's lots of women who, who just, just want to fix it. I, I do not like the people around me to hurt. Okay. The people, the animals, whatever, I don't want anyone to hurt, but I had to learn that, it's not my place to immediately fix everything. And it's not my place to interject until I've allowed someone their whole say. And it would be better if we all took 30 seconds to a minute 
before we answer someone to be sure that we've actually listened to what they say. Definitely. Um, you know, this is, it's related, but it's also, uh, it, it's just kind of funny, I guess. And uh, I'm not saying that I would uh, vouch for this approach, but I have a friend who, you know, he's married and he'll have conversations with his wife. And um, again, I'm not trying to, like you said, Elaine, there we're, we all have different uh, things that we want to get done. Some women are, are very focused on fixing things. Some men want to be heard, whatever it is, right? It's a spectrum. Uh, but at the same time, I think, I think in general, uh, right, there, there are some, some patterns. Yeah. And so it's like men tend to more often than not want to try to fix things. And men, uh, women more often than not want to be heard and want to bond with others, right? And so uh, I have a friend who, again, I, I, I don't know if I'd want to do this, because it seems a little too blunt or a little too like not listening kind of thing. But, you know, his wife will start saying something and he'll say, honey, I love you. Uh, can you please just let me know, is this a conversation where you want me to just like be here and listen? Or do you want me to try to fix something? And <laughs> it works for them. Like, I'm not saying it's going to work for everyone, but it works for them. So, No, and it's a really good point because now that we are aware, because nobody said this before. Okay. My mother and father, nobody <laughs> took the time to, you know, is it this or is it that? No. My father was on his white horse, or is on, still on his white horse. My mother's no longer here. But that was his job. That was his position in life as the husband, as the father. That's just the way it was. And now we are, it's not only that genders are becoming fluid, but we are becoming more fluid in our thinking. And it's not all feminine. It's not all masculine. And you don't find only masculine in men and only feminine in women. We, we have both. Okay, like every single human has some estrogen, has some testosterone. It's just the way we're made. And so the fact that we have this more fluid approach, it, it may not be right for all, but I think your friends, I think that's brilliant because it does make a difference, okay? If, if I go to the hubby and I tell him, you know, or somebody said such and such, or somebody did such and such, in some cases, you do want a resolution. But in most cases, yes, it's, it's just for him to hear what I have to say. And I'm chuckling because we've been married going on 43 years, so. There's a, there's a lot of those bizarre conversations where it's like, um, did you hear anything I said? And it's on both sides of the fence, you know, so it's, it's neither male nor female. We, we're, we're both there. I think, I think listening is a skill that needs to be taught in school. It's, um, it's a very valuable skill to have, um, I guess no, like I haven't read a book about listening or taken a course on it. So I, yeah. I wonder how the content would flesh itself out. Um, but you're right. I mean, it's a, a very necessary skill for, for life. Right. And you talk to folks yeah. and they're like, how do they, how do you not learn basic finance or personal finance in school? Yeah. Right. There's a lot of things like that, that I don't know. So maybe, maybe the school system said, we're just going to let people figure that out on their own. You know, we, we need them to learn how to read and write and do math and whatnot. So I'm not a curriculum creator. It's definitely a, a subject that I'll leave to other folks, but definitely it would be great if we all, myself included, right? It's like learn yeah. to listen better at times. 
Oh, and and yeah, and I I think I'm I'm one of the worst offenders because because when you have that that deep need to help people, you you do want to try and jump in and and it can be really frustrating because usually the people who want to jump in and give their help or suggestions are the people who on the other side of of the fence, if you're the one that's got the problem, you don't want people to do that. So it's it's um, it's sort of a, an odd, you know, uh, God, the universe, whomever, uh, I think created us for fun because human, humans are the most complicated and yet the most simplistic beings there are. And, and that's probably not a very um, a pervasive view of things, but if you really watch animals and even flowers, they are much more structured than we are. They have boundaries and it's not different for one or two or a little handful because they chose differently. Things are somewhat ordered. And I think we could take, we could definitely take a few lessons there. For sure. Yeah. Structure and order are very important in our lives, you know, especially when it comes to um, dealing with our own mental health, right? It's like people talk about routines of, um, you know, it's it's one of those things, right? Again, going back to the small pieces of, of digging yourself out of the hole, right? It's like, I may tell somebody, hey, you know, if you're dealing with depression, an important thing would uh, to be uh, to do would be to start a, you know, a regimented exercise plan. And the tough thing about that, right, is like, that person may go for a run tomorrow or walk tomorrow and feel a little bit better, but um, they're, they're not going to be cured of their depression by going for one walk. And that's not the point. Um, the point is sort of, you know, got to give some structure to your life, to your days, uh, make it so that there aren't these times, right. In which you're just sitting on the couch for three hours and ruminating, right. It's got to be busy, got to be engaged, uh, got to be pursuing things that you're passionate about and being able to live in the moment and enjoy the moment. Yeah. Oh, that, that's a really, really good point. And what about gratitude? What do you feel about gratitude? What's the, the place for gratitude in a recovery? Yeah. in a, in a recovery is, is challenge. Like it's, it's a tricky, tricky uh, twist on the question, right? So let me start with just gratitude and then maybe I can try to tackle recovery. So gratitude, right. You know, some people in the social health excuse me, in the uh, mental health sphere uh, or sort of um, realm people, there's a, there's a term or a phrase that gets tossed around a decent amount, which is basically you can't be fearful and grateful at the same time, right? So a good antidote or a, maybe antidote's the wrong word, but I think everybody knows what I'm getting at, right? Is, um, is in order to experience less anxiety, we should be a little bit more grateful. We should practice gratitude regularly. Um, and that's, you know, it's a pretty common thing that people talk about, but it's like, if we are focusing on what we are grateful for today. If we are giving thanks for some of the good things in our lives, even if there are a lot of bad things, then that's what we're focusing on. And that sort of, um, those things are, are running through our minds and um, sort of, you know, like changing our neurotransmitters on the fly, mm -hmm. impacting our emotions and our feelings, and um, hopefully keeping our minds uh, in or, or our eyes in the right places. So that way we're not, you know, looking over here and over there um, towards scarier things. So that's, that's a nice thing about gratitude. Obviously it can be um, 
it, it can come off as a little bit too simplistic of a solution or something at times really, oh, just be thankful, right? It's, it's not, it's, it's not uh, when we're talking about gratitude, it's not that sort of thing. It's more just like, hey, um, if you're experiencing anxiety, try, you know, the same goes for all the strategies that I talked about. Try gratitude one day, sit down five minutes, just list out everything that you're grateful for. Even if you are having a tough day, even if you are experiencing fear, you're experiencing despair or something like that, it could change your emotions, right? But none of these, I don't think, I don't think any of the strategies that I talk about are necessarily silver bullets. I don't know if there is a silver bullet. I think it's more, we all need to try out a bunch of different things. Uh, this is sort of the concept I talk about, like a mental health toolkit, right? It's like, look at all these different tactics, break them down and try them out and be like, I found these five that work for me. I'm going to throw them in there. And then when I'm feeling fearful or when I'm feeling depressed or whatever it is, I'm going to you know, enact these things. I'm going to watch my favorite short video on the internet. I'm going to breathe, you know, do a quick uh, deep breathing session. I'm going to give thanks for some of the good things in my lives, uh, in my life. And, uh, you know, it's, it's really, again, go, kind of going back to the theme of, of like small wins and kind of just digging yourself out of the hole one scoop at a time is stacking together these, these little strategies that then eventually change our state of mind and hopefully, you know, get us out of the, you know, the fear or the despair that we're feeling. And then, I guess, you know, taking it one level higher, trying to be able to cultivate a lifestyle in which we're constantly practicing these sort of things and keeping, you know, anxiety and depression at bay. Um, so to get back to the original question, right, um, when it comes to, I think it was recovery, right? When it comes to recovery, I, I guess, you know, it's like, it doesn't, there's no requirement on uh, what you need to be, who you need to be, or where you need to be to feel grateful. Um, at the same time, I don't want to like, be, you know, I don't want to be talking down to anybody and be like, hey, uh, like, hey, listen, man, I know everything in your life just fell apart, but like, be grateful for something, right? It's like, um, if it, if, it, if this tactic helps you, then that's great. And if it doesn't, then we'll find another one, you know, but um, I think that when it comes to recovery, like a lot of folks, you know, some people will say like, the only, the only people who don't have problems are the ones in the graveyards, you know? It's like everybody in life has problems. If you're, if you're living, if you're breathing, you probably have problems. If you're in recovery, you probably have more of them than other people. Um, but problems are a part of life, right? And so it's like, we're just trying to figure out how to get back to baseline as best we can. Um, and if you're in recovery, there, there may very well may be something in your life that you can be grateful for. Um, and, you know, just try that out. See, see if, you know, giving thanks for it helps you a little bit. Uh, and if it doesn't, again, we'll, we'll move on. So, All excellent, excellent points. Because I believe that gratitude is just, as you say, one of the tools in that toolbox. But you can be grateful for such tiny things. Okay? The fact that you open your eyes in the morning and take a breath, that's something to be grateful for. No matter what happens, five seconds later, just be grateful for that. And the, the inner workings of us, the dopamine and what have you, it's proven that it does build up the more you do this. And if, if a gratitude practice works for you and it's five minutes out of your day, then that's a really good tool to have. Uh, for me, to stay positive and to, and I, I used to say I was Pollyanna because I, I love the Pollyanna story, but it's more than that because you're right, that is, it is too simplistic. 
And, you know, trying to be happy all the time, first of all, is not possible. Okay. And try to be any one emotion all the time is not possible. We have a range of emotions for a reason. And humans, by our very nature, we are comparative. So if you're focusing on the negative, when you look, when you listen, when you, when you touch, when, when you feel, you're going to increase those types of feelings. So if you add a little gratitude into the mix, you're adding then the good bits. And the more you open up to that, the more you're going to feel and see. It, it's proven that, you know, what's put out there, you get back. And it can be a super stretch. At times, the fact that you took a breath may fall on both sides. It, you may be grateful for taking a breath and you may be very unhappy that you did. You have to decide what is better for me to focus on. And it's not, it's not that you don't have those other feelings because we have to acknowledge that. We have to acknowledge that they're there. And it's not, it's not the, oh, you know, glitter and, and happiness and whatever 24-7 because that doesn't make any sense either. Our problems in the end, are what make us thankful for the good bits. Definitely. And, a lot of comparison, right? Yeah, because it is. And, and we don't realize how much comparison there is in day-to-day -day life, good, bad, or indifferent. Okay, if you go into the fridge and you are looking at the peanut butter and the jam, you're comparing, well, let's see, do I want the peanut butter or do I want the jam or do I want both? There's always that weighing of whatever. It's, you know, it's not just food. It's not just thoughts. It's pretty much everything we do. There is some form of comparison going on in our heads. There's so much going on in our heads all the time. I love the fact that you have and suggest a variety of different tools because it's true. No two people, some people don't like peanut butter. Some people don't like jam and that's okay. You don't have to like what everybody else likes and, and not all tools will work for you, but it's understanding that just the, just that activity of, looking for something good is taking you in the right direction. And it's a start. Even if you don't get there day one, you're just looking for something. Well, you're on the road and you want to kind of make yourself a virtual box that you can put these little good bits in. So when you have an especially difficult day, you can go into that virtual box and take out some of those good bits and savor the memories because that can be useful, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah, it's, that's virtual box, mental health toolkit, whatever. Uh, it's kind of all the same, same note, right? 
Um, I, th I think an important piece to touch upon about this discussion, right, is just um, in, in the, the tough thing is that um, so what we need to do on these journeys, right, is, is, is have somebody remind us and tell us that, like, it's not going to happen overnight and that's OK. Right. Because the frustrating thing is like a lot of us deal with these things in our own corners. And then we say, OK, I'm, I finally I bought this book, you know, this guy or gal or whatever, like knows how to get rid of anxiety, knows how to get rid of OCD. Like, I'm, I'm going to do it. And then and then they read the book, they listen to the tape, whatever, you know, whatever medium it is or whatever. And they're like, oh, that didn't work. And then they you know, somebody may be like, well, then nothing works. Right. And, and sort of blow it out to this on this global level. Um, universal level, whatever it is. And then they feel even worse than they did before they started the tape or the book or whatever, because they're like, well, now, now this situation is hopeless. Right. And so I think a very important thing to say to folks and uh, a thing for folks to remember is that it, it, you know, it can be a slow and sometimes longer journey, but that's okay. Like, like try, try not to get too discouraged if the first thing you try doesn't work. Like, you know, there are folks out there who have live these stories. There are folks who, you know, survivors, right, of this podcast or like survivors who appear on this podcast. And it's like, they have all their, you know, you have your story. Uh, every, all the other guests have had their stories too. It's like, they are testaments to the fact that, you know, these things do and can work. Uh, it just sometimes takes a little while. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's, that's a critical piece for anyone that struggles with mental illness because there are no guarantees. There are no guarantees in life, okay? We, we just, in, in really esoteric fashion, we have this moment and now we have this one and that's it, that's it, okay? There's no guarantees going forward and everything that happened beforehand, it's over, it's done. You know, you might as well just pack it away and let it go because although it can inform your journey forward, ruminating on it doesn't give you any benefit. Yep, rarely does. And that's, uh, right, that's the ethos of, of get out of your head. It's, I think a lot of us have been in those, you know, recesses of our minds for far too long and really tested out the the idea of chewing over things and can attest to the fact that uh, it, that doesn't work, right? At, at least in terms of mitigating anxiety, uh, that doesn't work, so. Um, now I, I'm, I'm gonna throw one in from sort of left field. Laughter and comedy, important or secondary? Well, I, I, there's a there's ways to look at this, right? So I would say that um, you know if you if you read my first book and and this is where I bring the computer science background, the software development background into things, um, I say that so there's a, there's a notion or a concept in in computer science which is basically called uh, state management, right? So it's like a computer program that exists uh, is managing all these different inputs at the same time, right? If it's Microsoft Word, then it's managing you know all the all the key taps and the button clicks and the mouse and all that stuff, and you're clicking on the menu, and it's managing all of those inputs to figure out what state it should be in, right? It'll it, maybe it'll say I'm in editing mode right now, I'm in suggesting mode, whatever it is. Those are all different states, and so a uh, you know a software tool 
um, not only does it enter and exit different states, but it also acts in different fashions based on the state in which it is in. And then also, uh, you know, kind of the last piece is there are different actions that you need to take to get the, you know, the, the software program from one state to another. Um, the same concept can apply if we translate it over to our mental health, right? So it's like we are all entering mental and emotional states, uh, you know, varying mental and emotional states throughout our days. So it's like on any given day, we might feel happy, joyous, sad, depressed, um, you know, inquisitive, whatever it is. And so it's up to us to sort of sit down and be honest with ourselves and say, what are some of those states in which I get myself in on a regular basis? What are the ones I want to avoid? What are the ones I want to lean into more? How do I get from one state to another? And then how do I act in all those states? And then also like knowing how I act in those states, what are some things that I can do once I have the awareness I'm in them, right? So it's like, if I'm in the anxious state and I know that I ruminate, what can I do to break out of that rumination and then break out of that state and get into a better one? So where I'm going with this is basically saying um, laughter, comedy, all that stuff. It is, a it is another means by which we can get ourselves into a different state, uh, hopefully a positive one, right? Um, so I, I look at all of these things as tools. It's like, if you know that a specific comedian or a style of comedy gets you you know, up, uplifts you, makes you laugh, makes you happy. That's awesome. Like lean into that stuff, right? Or this, the mental health, uh, uh, you know, the theme of this conversation, right? is sort of like, uh, you know, bite-sized chunks, baby steps, just getting ourselves slowly, you know, out of the, you know, the pit of despair that we're in or whatever we want to call it, right? So it's like, if we know that um, when we're feeling anxious or, or if we know that comedy is a good way to uplift us, then we can say to ourselves, hey, maybe the next time I'm feeling a little bit anxious, let me throw on that tape of that comedian that I like and I'll laugh. Uh, you know, it'll get me focusing on something else and it'll bring me to a new state. So, um, you know, to answer this, I think we've answered the question from a broad perspective of like state management and changing your state and all that is a is something that you really need to like. It's a core concept uh, and a fundamental concept when it comes to mental health. Uh, and to answer the question specifically, I love comedy. I love, you know, like going to a show, uh, listening to a funny comedian, whatever. So for me, you know, that is a great tool. Is it going to be, uh, you know, for, for helping me get into a better state for everybody? Can, can we say that for everyone? We can't, but that's, that's also part of, you know, the theme of this conversation is that different things work for different people. So it's like, we just have to identify which of those tools resonate with us. And then we keep them uh, in our own personalized toolkits. Excellent, excellent answer. One thing I will say that I have found, and it may work for others, and the tool is not just external comedy, but one of the most important things you can do when you're down, when you're in pain, when wherever, is learn to laugh at yourself. Because when you laugh, it does increase the dopamine. It helps you on the inside, which then gets translated to the outside. And very often we are so serious about ourselves and our issues and you know all the little bits of us. If we let go and learn to laugh at ourselves or with ourselves in some cases, that can be a very powerful tool as well. Most definitely. You're right. Yeah, it's not for every it's not for everybody. Yeah. But for some, it's a lifeline. Definitely. It's um, you know, I think about what you said there and I kind of think of like 
not resisting and accepting, right? So it's like, if we do something and we are frustrated and we don't laugh, we are sort of resisting what we did. We are resisting the outcome. If we laugh, we say, you know what? I don't like, maybe I care about the outcome, but whatever, I'll, I'll do better next time, right? We, we see in, you know, a lot of proverbs and um, in books and stuff like that, people will say, you know, what you resist persists. And it's like, if you are constantly pushing up against, you know, your failures and your challenges and whatever, and you're being hard on yourself, it's like, yeah, sometimes that, that'll work. And, you know, it's like, if it gets you back into the gym to do more reps and you get stronger or whatever, sometimes it works. But a lot of the time, it's better to just, you know, sort of drop the rope, right? And be like, okay, I messed up. Let me laugh about this one and let me move on. And, you know, also like just in our own conversations and day-to-day lives these days, right? It's like with social media and politics and all that, conversations can be more charged uh, and divisive than ever before, right? And one of the things that I like to do, and maybe I'm giving away my secrets here, I don't know, but um, is to just like allow somebody to have a a viewpoint, right? If they're like, oh, this, 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 that, whatever, and you just say, hey, you know what? You're right. The conversation ends, you know, um, and it's not to be manipulative. It's it's to to move on to the next subject and then continue having a a positive conversation rather than get lost yeah. um, in some of the scary details and the divisive details. And even though it's it's kind of unrelated and we're not going to go into politics here and stuff and whatnot, it's like it's like the same thing applies to mental health, right? When yeah. we get stuck on things and we say we we push up against it, we're we're there for a while until we eventually accept it and say, okay, pass through me and I'm going to move on to the next thing. And, and that, that's a really, really good point because emotions are meant to flow and go. They're not meant for us to hang on to. And if you watch animals in the wild, okay, it's a famous story about zebras. They're watching zebras and the herd, one head goes up, the next head goes up, they realize there's lions and they all take off in one direction. And the lions run, the lions don't get anybody this time, so the zebras stop. And then en masse, you see every zebra kind of shimmy, the whole zebra from one end to the other, because they're getting rid of the stress and, and the fear and all of those things. And as much as even thinking about it makes us a little strange, But if we just shimmied and let those emotions go, in the long run, we'd be much better off. It's because we hang on to them that we end up being tense and anxious and frustrated and angry. Oh, yeah, that's fascinating. I actually want to look that up on like YouTube or something. Oh, yeah, it's really cool. It's really cool. I learned I learned it a long, long time ago because because I was like a ball of stress. And I thought, oh, that is really cool. And then I thought, what? Why not? I'll give it a try. And it just made me laugh because it looks pretty stupid. Yeah. <laughs> but it does make a difference when when you imagine all that emotion just going. It's like, oh, what's the point? what's the point? Yeah, it's it's it really is fascinating, and I and I laugh too where like you have to do what works for you. Right. And you look around and you say like, Oh, look at that zebra. That's, that's silly looking. Or, you know, Elaine's doing that shimmy again. Like that's silly. Uh, you know, sometimes you go to the gym, right. And you see somebody doing a workout and they're in the zone. You're like, Oh, look at that person. Like, look, you know, doing stupid things, like, like looking at themselves in the mirror or whatever. And then, and then you get up there and you have your headphones in and you get in the zone. Like 
you know, we, we almost, we're always like a little bit hip, like hypocritical. Right. Um, and it's like, then we find ourselves doing those things and it's like, I don't know. It's just, uh, sometimes the things that make us feel good don't always necessarily look that great to the outside world. But if, if, if it helps us and it doesn't, you know, negatively impact others, like obviously don't be at the gym swinging rates, weights around and hit other people. No. But it's like, you know, if, if you're having a good time, you're, you know, doing this at the gym, like I, I have learned to sort of let those things go. Right. And just be like, that person's in the zone that like good for them. Right. And I'm going to put my music in and I'll probably get in the zone and look like an idiot too in a minute. But if it helps, especially on the mental health front, so be it. Yeah, I, I have a spiritual advisor that I've worked with now for over 20 years. And she said that the things that annoy us the most about others, the things that, that we see and, and get irked by, it's usually because that's something we do or we need to work on. Yeah, which is just fascinating because it's like once you hear that and buy into it, then you can it becomes an interesting tactic to be like, then you're looking out and you're saying, what is this telling me and what do I need to work on rather than just feeling the frustration? Absolutely. And it does make a difference when you start paying attention to these little things and using the tools, you get out of reactions faster. You're able to, yeah, look outside yourself and say, oh, why, mm, why is that bothering me? God, do I do that? <laughs> and that can be funny too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I have absolutely uh, enjoyed every second, Brian. I so appreciate you coming on the show. I'm, I'm just, uh, this has been not just refreshing, but really eye-opening and um, I, I think you're you're just lovely. Thank you. And thank I you have for a me. question for you. I like to leave our audience with one little tip or tweak, something that you can say to just anyone that you know what I do this daily, or I go here daily, or I think of this daily, and it can be helpful for whatever. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to, I'm, I'll say, I'll state my answer. And then also say that um, I often am hypocritical of myself, whatever the right word is. So uh, I like to start my day off with a walk because what I feel it does, and there, there's science out there, you know, you can listen to like Andrew Huberman's podcast and uh, they're like, you know, he'll talk about like the sun hitting your eyes and waking up your brain and um, really just getting you ready for the day and whatnot. But the thing that I like about it the most is before I turn on my phone, before I look at all the messages and I get stressed out over all these different work requests and stuff like that, if I can go and get the blood pumping and kind of clear my brain, clear my mind and get my body primed for the day, I usually feel as though I'm in a better place to take on some stressors and stuff like that. Uh, I say, you know, self, you know, self hypocritical, whatever the right word is, is because there are days when I wake up a little late. And then I'm like, oh, well, you know, I got to start working 20 minutes. And am I really going to have time to take a shower and eat breakfast and go for a walk uh, before I, you know, you know, look, you know, start talking to people and whatnot. And then I just turn over and I grab my phone and I'm, you know, 30 minutes into emails and stuff. So 
that's something that I like to do specific, specifically for stress relief and just priming my body for stress and waking up and that sort of thing. But um, especially I live in Boston uh, at the moment. And if I'm here during the winter, uh, that becomes a lot harder to do, right? So now that it's getting nicer out, I, I have found myself doing that more. Like as soon as it's it's 45 degrees or above in the, in the morning, I'm like, I can do this. But when it's 18, it's like, no, let's just look at the phone. So yeah, that's what I like to do for uh, for stress relief. There's a as an author in the space and somebody who, you know, lives here, right? It's like, there's a lot of different things that I do. Uh, I could talk about them all day, but, uh, but that's definitely one that, you know, when I'm, when I'm on my game, I'm doing. Oh, uh, that, I love that. I think that's wonderful. Do you have an animal? I do not have an animal. Okay. Okay. Because my only difference in walking is I take the dog with me. And yes, it has to be warm because I have a four pound dog and I'm in Ottawa in Canada and we had 12 or 14 feet of snow this year. So yeah, it's thankfully this week, yesterday was 85 degrees. So it was quite beautiful. I only have about two and a half feet of snow left on the lawn. So that's good. Wow. Yeah, walking I think is incredible. Absolutely incredible. Yeah, we, we get hammered here with uh, snow in the winter. Wow. But I found that uh, it was good for us because they don't need an awful lot of exercise at that size. Yeah. But we can do, we have a track in the house that awesome. we do on the days that it's too icy and snowy to go outside so that we're still getting a little done. But I, I get what you say. There are some days where, it's like, oh, not not enough time. What what are we gonna juggle today? I know. But I again I thank you so much. Uh we will make sure that everything about Brian is available for you right below on the podcast page. And we will have links for you to his books in the series as well. I thank you so much for being my guest. Brian Sachetta has been with us today. I'm Elaine Lindsay, and as per usual, I say make the very best of your today every day, and I look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe on your favorite service. Suicide Zen Forgiveness was brought to you by Truel Social Media, the digital integration specialists. Let them get you on page one in the search results.